Welcome to the Living Stones podcast. These are a recording of our Sunday morning meetings. We pray that these will be a blessing to you. So please, enjoy listening. If you want to know more, please contact us at office at livingstoneschurch.co.uk. Okay, so good morning everyone. Have we all got coffee? Everybody got coffee? Everybody got cake? I think we'll get started then. So morning and welcome to Living Stones. Uh, we see a few faces who I don't recognise, so good morning, you're most welcome. Uh, I am Justin, I am the church uh, youth worker, I think is officially what my contract is, uh, and I'm running this morning. We, on the first Sunday of every month, have something that is called Cafe Church. Um, not too distinguishable now from normal Sundays, because we still have cake and coffee most Sundays. Um, difference with cafe churches and especially this morning everybody stays in and we learn together um so i hope you've got your brain switched on because a lot of the heavy lifting on the learning some people say no um is down to you i just sort of like facilitate your discussions so that's where we will be going this morning let's pray father i thank you that um we can meet together in freedom uh, without fear and I just pray that this morning the um, gratitude of those two facts will come out in our praise to you the fact that there are brothers and sisters in this world who will meet and worship you and perhaps possibly the threat that they meet under totally changes their experience of what church is, of what uh, following you is. So I pray that perhaps some of that hunger for protection from you in our daily lives will ignite something different in our worship this morning, in our gratitude of being able just to meet together, to read your word, to even have a Bible each to read your word, to sing songs, to praise you in plain language and plain sight of anybody who could walk through those doors let our hearts pour out of gratitude to you this morning in jesus name amen and with that i think we're going to invite mandy straight up to lead us in our worship yeah oh and jess two voices this morning which is even better so isn't the song of solomon lovely and um Tony and I have got to that in the Bible at the minute. You always get what we, where we are, don't you? And um, the little bit this morning was about that the lady had gone out at night, I think, to look for her beloved, and she couldn't find him anywhere. She was looking everywhere for him, and then suddenly she found him, and they held on to each other, it said. That's what we're going to do in worship this morning, just hold on to God. But also, God's been speaking to me about first love. You know, the Solomon, Solomon is so much a first love. And we are an old married couple now. We've been married about 47 years. So that first love that's in Song of Solomon is so much often about physical attraction. And that's really the lovely thing too that held us together at the beginning. But there is more that holds us together now than there was then. And I'm thinking of us having that first love for God as we worship. Not just back to that kind of romantic feeling that we must be together all the time but also that we put him first this is a precious time to put him first on a Sunday and 
we're going to make him our first love. Never mind about shiny cars or big houses or anything else or money in the bank or anything else that's precious to us. And all those things may be precious, but he has to be our first love. So let's stand and we're going to start with If Faith Can Move the Mountains. So, onwards. Last month we introduced our new family time theme and we got you uh, making baskets and that was you know, good activity. There were some really good baskets made. But why were we making baskets? Who are we looking at as our family time theme? Sean. Moses. We're looking at Moses. We're working our way through the book of Exodus. And we got to the end of chapter 2. So we're starting with chapter 3. Now, bear that in mind. On your table, you have got a piece of paper and some pens. This activity is going to enjoy um, employ your brains and you talking to each other. What I want you to do is this. I'm going to ask you, as a table, to decide on four things. And then we're going to see how possibly alike or different we are on our definitions of these things. The first one I want you to write down. What is the most amazing thing you've either seen... Or experience. As a group, round your table. So, which therefore means that you've got to decide between you, if there's five of you, whose thing's more amazing. Um, whether you want to arm wrestle to decide that is up to you, but I'm not going to give you long. So, on your paper, what's the most amazing thing you've seen or experienced collectively decide. Okay, so number two. What is the most unexplainable thing that you have seen? What's the most unexplainable thing that you have seen? So something you've seen, but you can't explain. It has just confused you. This has. That's perfectly okay. I am a youth worker. <laughs> Number three. What is the thing that you have either seen or experienced which has given you the most questions? The thing you have either seen or experienced that has left you with the most questions. Okay. So, I'm going to ask you all 
to share what's on your listings, but I will give you a little bit of an insight, okay? So, if I did it myself, what's the most amazing thing I've seen or experienced, right? For me, that will have to be holding either of my newborn children. <laughs> what was the most unexplainable thing that, for me, it's going to be sunrise or sunset over a still ocean. And it's got to be still when you think that what, you know, the sea is always continuous moving, but sometimes it just looks like it is stopped. Uh, what was ah, the thing that's left me with most questions? When I was 21, I went to Romania and I saw kids who were 14, 15, who looked like they were five, chained to beds in orphanages. That left me with a huge amount of questions as a Christian of, what, at that point, 12, 13 years. Massive questions. Uh, some which are still unanswered. That paradoxical place of God saying, yeah, I'm not going to answer that at the moment. Deal with it. Well, saying the most awesome thing. Now, this is an interesting one because this comes down to what you think about awesome. What is awesome? The most awesome thing, I think, for me, that I have seen is the way God heals. And I've actually seen that, and I think that is awesome. I will still walk down the street and see a really nice, shiny sports car. I think, that's awesome. Because humanly, I love cars. But that's not what I think awesome really is. Now, you may have something different. My other most questionable thing is, why do the Danes, bear in mind I used to work for a Danish company, eat rotten fish out of tins? <laughs> Why? It's disgusting. Right, who wants to share what they've got on the list? Uh, Shannon's going to go first. We came up with relationships. People fighting in the streets. And we don't know why they fight. Um, so when I was much younger, I went to London for the day and I went and had breakfast in a random cafe and there was a really pleasant Dutch family sitting next to us. And then about eight hours later, after wandering around London all day, we went to a completely different part of London, full of restaurants, chose a restaurant completely at random, massive restaurant. We asked a waiter for a seat. We sat right down next to that same Dutch family. Couldn't believe it. The guy, I was staring at them and the guy was like, what's your problem? I said, we sat next to you this morning. Don't you think that's weird? He said, oh, yeah, small chance. And that was the end of that. <laughs> so that was unexplainable. For the most amazing thing we've ever experienced, uh, one was the Lion King and also a good football match like yesterday. <laughs> yeah. Barton Hove Albion's scoreline yesterday <laughs> is amazing, awesome and unexplainable. Okay, we put for the most um, like unexplaining thing that we've seen is healing in front of our eyes because we discovered that all of us have seen that in different situations. Another one, another vote for healing there, right? <sighs> we also have healing. 
healing of hearts is the most amazing thing seen, but the funniest one nearly that we've got is the most unexplainable thing seen, 57 years of marriage. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we'll make any comments. <laughs> Number four, um, about awesomeness, we'd put nature, just yeah. just seeing wildlife, seeing birds, all that sort of thing. Um, for me, awesome as well is like a live gig, hearing people play music together and sounding amazing. Yeah, and awesome something which gives you um, a feeling, doesn't it? Sunset, we were in a plane going to, but we were by the Dubai, on our way to Kathmandu, and the sunset was incredible. And then Everest, you said you saw, yeah, that was all amazing. A laptop, you put as a, <laughs> and I put, <laughs> and I put birds' legs. How, legs? How do birds, without falling over, you know, they just got their legs, and they haven't got any arms. Sean, Sean was. Um, <laughs> right, uh, I once crossed the North Sea in the tall ship space on a yacht in a four-state gale, and I was at the helm. And every thirty seconds or so, I'd get drenched with a wave, and that went on for hours. You know, so and I was beginning to wonder if I'll ever see the s land again. The strangest thing I ever saw was a UFO. I, I was um, looking at the night sky and I saw very, very high up what appeared to be an aeroplane. And it looked just like a star, it was moving, and it was moving in one direction. And as I watched, it stopped and moved straight back in the other direction. I thought, that is not a plane. <laughs> For number one, young David here, his was the best one. It was up in a glider in the winter. He was lifted up in silence, and that was your best experience, wasn't it? Yeah? Both of us said giving birth. Um, and number three, technology. And number four, Jesus is awesome. Yes. Have we got one? Um, yeah. Number one, I can't remember the question. <laughs> but um, I wrote down Holy Spirit, I think we agreed on that. And the reason for that was um, I'd asked for prayer one Bible week and um, the, the strength of the Holy Spirit is when you, you know that, you know, that really exists. And when I went back to camp, everybody who approached me fell down. Because that strength and that lasted several hours, and I thought, "Wow, <laughs> you know." That was the most. The answer is the most amazing thing you experienced. So, right. So, the point of this is, all our experiences are different. Okay, from my youngest all the way through, um, but because we're children of God, there's a common theme. And there's lots of common themes here. There was Holy Spirit, there's healing, there was the amazing things to do with God's creation. Now, the part of Exodus where we're at 
is something which is unexplainable, totally awesome. And I don't know how any of us would have summed it up. So I think we will have go straight to our story video. It does a little bit of a recap of where we were last time, and then we'll introduce where we are now. So there you go. Exodus 3 and 4 told in cartoon format. So, something awesome, something which was on fire and didn't burn up. Now, I did a little bit of research this week to see what is there that cannot be set fire to and doesn't get destroyed. And our friend Google um, wasn't really helpful because <laughs> with the advance in technology and um, refining chemicals and all that sort of thing, technically, the scientists say there is nothing now that cannot be set far to that will not destroy because they have got chemical solutions which will burn at such intense heat that it will even change the molecules of water. So they can set fire to water and water will disappear. I mean, you can sit there and say, we set fire to water because you can boil it, it goes to steam. But that's a different sort of reaction. So we're talking about a bush. Now I thought, well, could we bring a bush in here and set fire to it and see how long it lasts? And I think there'll be certain trustees sitting there saying, no, you should not do that, Justin. There's a smoke alarm there. One thing which Google did take me to, which I really wanted to try, um, but again, I put my sensible hat on, and not just my youth work hat on. But if you get steel wool, you know, that stuff which you used to use to scrub your pans in the old days, which when you get it on your fingers, makes you go, yeah. And you get a nine volt battery, like I've got in here, and you put the two together, what happens? It burns. The steel wool will instantaneously combust like a burning bush. But it won't stay alight. It will burn through, but you will still be left with steel wool, but the steel wool molecularly will have changed because it will have oxidized and you can't set fire to it again. So it's the nearest thing you could get to a burning bush, but it stops immediately. This burning bush only stopped when God it was going to stop burning. I'm going to leave that thought there and we're going to look at this a little bit more because somehow I've got the section into doing notices <laughs> and collection and things like that. So, something awesome, the most awesome thing when I asked you to do your lists really was God and the presence of God, which is where I wanted us to get to. The burning bush in this story is the awesome, tangible, 
presence of God. And we're going to look at Moses' reaction because I think it tells us a huge amount about us as people and our reaction to God, but also God's patience to the people who he calls. So that's where we're going to go. And you'll get a chance to have more coffee before we get there. So, notices. Uh, those of you who get the email would have had these. Chloe, can we have the uh, prayer meeting slide, please? There you go. We are in February. Where did January go? No? You thought January dragged? Okay. Believe me, it was the same length as it always is, the same length as any of these long months are, and it all had 24 hours in a day and the same number of days. Um, but we are in February, which means Tuesday is prayer meeting. Uh, and there's a reminder there for life group leaders and for people to get prayer requests to the team who run the prayer meeting so that we can be a praying church for each other on Tuesday, 7.30 here. The, well, while we're talking about prayer, Martin, you come and talk about this prayer event. Yeah, we did mention this in uh, more detail last week, so please, it's this coming Saturday, 2 o'clock at King's Church, joining together with Christians from right across the town, to, and we're going to pray through the Lord's Prayer. So uh, that's the the theme of the of the prayer and interestingly can you think of Moses? did you notice in the in that video clip didn't actually say it but did you see what Moses did with his feet when sorry no didn't no didn't kick his stick away what did he took his shoes off yeah, he took his shoes off because he was on holy ground. Now, can, what's the one other occasion in the Bible, at least I think it's the only other occasion, correct me if I'm wrong, when someone was told to take their shoes off? Oh, well, that's a good one. Yes, that's true. I didn't think of that one. <laughs> ah, right, Bible quiz time. It was Joshua. When Joshua was before Jericho and he met the, the, the same angel of the Lord that appeared in the burning bush, appeared to Joshua and he was told to take his shoes off because he was on holy ground. And we're going to, when we, when we start the Lord's Prayer, we say, hallowed be your name. We come before God on holy ground. So I'm... I'm Great anticipation for next Saturday. Come and join us. So therefore, make sure you've got shoes that you can take off easily. That was our alternate activity this morning. Actually, there was going to be a sign at the door saying, take your shoes off. And it would have been the relay to see who could find their shoes the fastest and get them back on. But I thought I would be uh, more respectful, shall we say, to some of our, our more mature members of, of the family. Um, <laughs> the last two notices I've got on here one there is lunch after the church service this morning um, you're more than welcome to join uh, those who will be here for a lunch which I believe will be soup yes soup um, and the other one is there was a 
a second email which went out this week um, on Friday talking about a, um, a coffee stroke sale uh, day which my mother-in-law is holding on the 24th of February at her house at 48 Hardy Drive in Eastbourne um, which she's been very brave. She's put her address on Facebook. Um, and she'll be selling coffee and books and bags and stuff like that. And she's asked for donations for any books, purses, handbags you don't want any longer, uh, which can come to me and I'll get to them. And what she's raising money for is for the treatment fund for Corin, um, for her treatment in the States. Now, this date is quite significant because this is in two weeks' time, and then the following Saturday, we fly to America for three months. So uh, you've only got my ugly mug to look at for another couple of weeks, and then I should be missing for a while. But this is the last Pacific organized fundraising event in this way, and it'll be really great if people can turn out and support. Um, I think she raised just under 300 pounds in the one she did in December, selling all her old Christmas decorations. Um, but it will help those who are in charge of the fundraising then know how much more they need to push on while we're still out there, because we're not quite there. We are going in faith that there will be enough money to cover all the treatment while we're there. So that's the 24th of February. If you've got books or bags that you want to donate, um, get them to me. Collection. Uh, we have... 48 Hardy Drive, which is up just off the seafront on the, the landing point, and it is on the email. If you're a member of the church family and you're not getting the church emails, speak to Jess and get your email to Jess, because uh, all this comes out, which is why we don't do a huge amount of notices. I grew up in a church where we used to have at least 10 minutes of notices every Sunday, and a printed notice sheet, and people still didn't know what was going on. So... Uh, right, collection. We have our, our tin and our giraffe here for our young people to come and give their money for the people with the children with support in Kabubu. I will send our offering basket round. This is a family thing, so if you're visitors, please don't feel you're obligated to join in with this. This is just our opportunity for the church family. So as this goes around, Shannon, I'll give it to you. So if it goes this way and comes back round and to end at Faye, that would be brilliant. Thank you. And I'll pray. And once I've prayed, and this has made its way round, I think we all deserve a cup of coffee before I get... So, I'm going to pray. This is working its way round. Father, I thank you for everything that you give to us, for everything you provide for our needs, our daily needs. I just pray out of grateful hearts that we will give back to you for your work. Take everything that we have and bless it for the, your work around this world. In Jesus' name, amen. So, let's get the basket round. Uh, hopefully we've got, have we got some hot water if people want coffee? Right, should be. So, grab a coffee or a drink and a cake because you may need some sustenance to get your brain working because you're going to do the heavy lifting while we look at this story.
Okay. Everybody got a cup of coffee? Everybody somewhere near their seat? Possibly. And we will move on through. I've just got one or two things which occurred to me while I was looking at this story. And then I am going to let you discuss it in your in groups to see what what you come up with. Having been a Sunday school teacher for years and years and years, this is a, a stable story that we teach. Um, it might be a stable story of where you, you turn to in your Bible readings. But there are one or two things in here which I think we, can, we do gloss over quite quickly sometimes. Um, Martin made the point, and I <laughs> said about the activity, but this whole point of taking your stand so sandals off for your standing on holy ground. Now, yeah, lots of times if you come and I'm leading services or things in the summer, when I've got my flip-flops on, I'll be walking around barefooted um, on Sunday mornings with really disgustingly dirty feet. Um, have done for years in churches. This time, years I'm getting older, my feet get a lot colder. But we are this morning on holy ground. In our modern world and our modern way of thinking, it doesn't really occur to us sometimes, does it? We're standing on holy ground. We've walked in footed. And here's God to Moses. Straight away, you're on holy ground. You're on my house. Shoes off. How many of us have shoes off policies at home? I'm not asking for hands up, but, you know, expect visitors to take their shoes off. I'm just going to pose that question. We're in God's house. Moses was in the presence of God. The first thing God asked him to do was take your shoes off. Do not come in closer. That's interesting. You're close enough, Moses. This is my house. Shoes off. I, I need to talk to you, but you need to be there. It's still a separation. I think sometimes we make God too touchy-feely. Sometimes, you know, he wants to run into our father's house, into his arms. But this is God showing his power in something which is destructive, fire. An awesome power. Moses, I'm talking to you from the powerful awesomeness of a creative and also the thing which modern churches sometimes we don't like to look at. With creation comes a destructive power as well. And we will see that walking through the book of Exodus over the next few months. There will be stories that we find Difficult, because it doesn't fit with our modern thinking. It's very clearly laying out that I'm God. I am the God of your father, of Abraham, of Isaac, of Jacob. Your heritage is in me. You may have been brought up Egyptian, but your heritage is in me. No doubt about it. 
My people may think I haven't heard them, but I have. And you, Moses, are the answer. You, the one who I instigated a huge rescue plan, who then was brought up in luxury, didn't know where you fitted, got angry, killed a man and ran away. You're the rescue. I think at that point there would have been um, year butts forming in Moses' mind. And then the promise, I'm rescuing them to a good and spacious land flowing with milk and honey. You know, a rescue has to be a rescue, doesn't it? To something better. That's salvation. A rescue to something better. And he was going to use Moses for that. So go now. Um, off you go. Go do the work. You're going to go. Rescue my people. And then we come to the bit which I think we can all relate to when we're asked to do something, whether it's by God or whether it's by um, our church leaders or whether it's by people at work, which pushes us out of our comfort zone. Yeah, right. Not me. I can't go do that. God's like, yeah, but I'm going to be with you. You know, you're going to bring my people out, start giving them out here, I want them to come worship here. Moses' first response was, well, the, your people aren't going to listen to me. It wasn't right. He didn't immediately say, well, Pharaoh's never going to listen to me. It was, your people aren't going to listen to me. And we have that in that first instance. I am who I am. Tell them, I am sent me. No mistake in there, is it? I am God. I am nothing else. And just the fact that I am is sending you should be enough for anyone. Because I'm giving you authority in that statement. few more instructions. Moses listens. Then Moses says, yeah, but still not me. It's not me. I look after sheep. I can't do this. And they'll say, oh, you've been in the desert. You're getting quite old now because have you put that up? Those of you, us who are moving into older life, At this point, looking at the Bible timeline, Moses was approaching 80. <laughs> One cheer, a few worried-looking faces. He was approaching 80. And God was saying, I've got a massive job for you to go and do. No retirement in the kingdom. I think I remember Martin telling me at one point when we were talking about some, some things when we were in Africa. You know, we, we commit to God and God has work for us. 
But Moses is like, yeah, but, you know, they're going to say you didn't, didn't appear to me. And then we get these signs. What have you got in your hand? I've got a stick. Put it on the ground. There's a snake. Now, we may trivialise these, and the hand in and the hand out with leprosy. In, leprosy gone. But culturally, he was going into a situation where the Egyptians, because these were also signs for Pharaoh, believed in magic. Seriously believed in magic. I'm not talking about, you know, David Copperfield hiding in a box for however many days it was. And then, oh, I wasn't really there, I was over here. Not smoke and mirrors. They really believed magic had power to change things. Is how lots of pharaohs made their decisions or were manipulated into making their decisions. But just think about it. If that's the culture you're going into and you need to show that your God is all-powerful and can challenge, if you like, the charlatans of the day, is it any surprising that God came up with um, well, a different kind of miracle? Here's something solid. It's a bit of wood. It's now a snake. Here's your hand. It's now covered in leprosy, the, you know, one of the most dreaded things in the whole of the Bible period, and now it's not. And as we move onwards... Here's a plague of lotuses. Here's this. Here's that. I'm going to say this is going to happen, and it happens. Is it any surprise that God underlined who he was with these things? If it was me, I think I would have stopped arguing at that point. Don't you? Because what else is God going to do? He's turned my walking stick into a snake and back again. He's given one hand leprosy and taken it away again. But Moses is still arguing. And it's, you know, in our little cartoon, the fire, when Moses argued, got bigger. Got angry. And then this last one. Yeah, but I can't talk. I won't have the words to say. Well, who makes you talk anyway? Who created your voice box? Who enables you to speak? Me, God. Yeah, but, yeah, but, all right, I'm going to send your brother with you. Now, that could be testy, because we don't know <laughs> what the relationship with Aaron was at this point. For those of us, perhaps, you know, if you've got brothers or, or siblings, and you're going to go off on a, a big job to do, and you're being a bit hitchy about it, or don't really want to do it, Maybe humanly, they're not the person you want sent with you. But that's what God decreed. I am going to send your brother with you. He is going to speak for you. I'm the youngest of three. I never liked my brother speaking for me. <laughs> just, just, just humanly. I'm going to send your closest relation and he's going to speak for you. Really? But that's what happened. And Moses eventually went back to his father-in-law, asked for the blessing, I need to return 
and take my family away from you back to Egypt. Now, I said, this story for me throws up some things which are really, I see in all of us humanly. And it is this, I think. Especially in modern church, lots of times. God is pretty clear, and Jesus is pretty clear, what he expects of his people. If you're going to follow Jesus, and you look at the Beatitudes, and you look how Jesus laid his life out, and what he did, and what he stood for, it's quite clear the way we should live our lives. And our lives are therefore to be a service to God, a service to each other, um, Things like, as we've spoken before, in cafe church and things, things like forgiveness are really a gift for us to pass on to others. And, and all this, it's not about us. It's about God and the other people around us. We actually come at the bottom of the tree. So then when God, either directly to us or for other people, asks us to do something or to give up something or sacrifice something, um, we become a bit of a Moses, the yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, I'm a bit inconvenient, really. I'm a bit more focused on my career or saving for this or, or that. I actually really want to go on holiday over there rather than go there. And we reach for all the excuses that we can find. Until God takes them away and puts us in a place of obedience to follow his plan. Moses was the plan. There was no plan B here. So whatever Moses said, God had the answer. If you're God's plan A for a situation, he won't have a plan B. Because it's what he has got planned for your life and for the people's lives that you will be interacting with, affecting. And it's about them, not about you. This wasn't about Moses' comfort. I don't think anything that we're going to read in Exodus made Moses' life any easier. I think sheep can be really um, awkward. must have been really awkward to keep all your sheep together in the desert. Compared to leading a group of people through a desert who continuously moaned and grumbled and did the opposite of what they were told or asked to do. And there must have been days where he was like, give me my sheep back. But it wasn't about him. He was the plan for God's people at that point. So, I'm going to give you, we're at midday. So, we're going to have... 10 minutes in our groups, around your tables, just to discuss. I think just, we normally have your sheet with, I've never seen this, I don't like that bit, I don't understand this bit, or now I do understand this bit, and this is going to change my life. We're not going to do those five questions. I think the pertinent question this morning, really, from this bit here, is this. If God... 
spoke to us the way he spoke to Moses. I'm not saying your rose bush in your front garden or your nice bouquet of flowers, if you've got any sitting on the coffee table, are suddenly going to ignite. Um, but God will speak and can speak directly to us. If God, or is God, speaking directly to me, to us, asking us to do something, are we, Moses, with all the earbuds, is that us? Needing to be convinced and convinced and convinced. If that is us, do we then perhaps need to um, come back to God and say sorry about it? If it isn't us, then how can we put that to work in our lives? How can we put this whole point of Moses being plan A for God's people at this point, despite his arguing, despite his, if you like, natural position of, I don't have the ability to do this. But he had God behind him. So maybe it is. Maybe you need the help of a friend beside you this morning to just pray for you in these next 10 minutes. Maybe God is asking you to do something. You're sitting there saying, yeah, but I haven't got the ability to do that. If that's you, you have God. If God is asking you, you have the creator of the universe, the, cre the creator who created all those amazing things we were talking about earlier. If he's asking you to do something, he will more than adequately equip you. I know um, that trip to Romania was one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life. I didn't want to go. I was invited to go. My church said that they were going to send me and then organized it. Um, during that trip, we were speaking in Baptist churches and in some Baptist churches in English without, without any interpreters to people who didn't speak English. All of us who were meant to go went for various person reasons, personally, with our relationship with God, and corporately, and for what God wanted to do in that part of Romania where we were at that time. That's a different story. But this principle I've seen in my life work. If God's asking you, and you're being a Moses, saying, yeah, but, no, but, yeah, but, no, but, he's God. He's asking you, he will enable you, and he's got it covered. So, to spend five, ten minutes with each other, just talking about that, that point of view, are we more of a Moses? Are we withholding ourselves from perhaps what God's asking us to do? Pray for each other. I'm not going to go for feedback this morning. So I think possibly this is possibly a bit too personal if it is about what God's asking us to do. It may be that you want somebody to pray for you because you're not sure what God is asking you to do. Take some opportunity this morning with the people around you. And then, like I say, in about 10 minutes' time, I'll close us in prayer. So, over to you.
does seem a shame to stop um, what sounds like some very interesting and quite deep conversations. But I'm going to close in prayer. Uh, you can continue chatting if you're not finished where you're at. Um, and there will be lunch. So, Father, I want to thank you that we start this freely. I want to thank you that actually, as a church, we are prepared to sit and discuss and talk and learn from each other's experiences um, and give the space for each other to, to talk about our experience of you and where you've taken us and where you will be taking us. Let the words that you needed us to hear this morning um, really take grip in our souls and in our hearts. And anything which perhaps may be logging in there, which you don't want us to hold on to, I just pray that you would just rinse it out. So actually the nugget that w you had for each and every one of us, which will be different, is what we go away with this morning. Be with us. Help us be you in our communities this week. In Jesus' name. Amen.